1: So our listeners are probably painfully aware of how many games there were last week, especially the folks that don't just follow DC, but also follow Loudon and also follow the spirit. 47? Uh, 57, only five, but five in seven days um, is 57. Too, too many games. Um, I, I think um, before we recorded our last episode, I was telling the guys about um, how I was... Uh, you know, putting a slash through each article. I had made a list of everything I was going to have to deal with, uh, for the site this coming week, and I was getting through them, and I was like, "This is going really well. I've got a ton of time between now and and uh, uh Saturday's game against Houston." And then I, I like, you know, shook it off for a second and realized that uh that was a nonsense thought. I had no time for anything, uh, between that moment
2: and Houston's game. Um, sounds like a car and- trip I took once through Texas.
1: You think you're making good time, and then you realize you're like 20 yards into Texas, and there's still many millions of miles of Texas to go?
2: This was back in the day before uh, GPS existed Mm. as a consumer product, and so I was the navigator because I'm a map nerd, Uh, and my mom was driving the… Chevy suburban and my dad and sister were asleep in the back and I was like, Oh, we're making good time. We're doing well. We're driving on whatever interstate. And then we're almost through Texas. And then I turned the page and there's another whole page of Texas.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. this That feels very familiar. Um, and so speaking of driving, uh, I kind of, I hit my personal wall um, on Sunday uh, when I elected, uh, I didn't really need to do it. But I elected to go to the Loudon game in person, and I was fine in the morning because uh, the game was at two, so I had to be out the door earlier than normal um, for a game. And um, everything's going well. I get in my car, I'm driving in, and I get like 15 minutes into my drive. And I realize that my brain is just not doing anything constructive. Uh, Like it can drive and keep me from like stumbling off a cliff or into the water or what have you. That's about it. I've got survival functions. I don't have any higher thoughts at all. Like if you ask me any complicated questions, I'd be like, I can't, I can't handle this question right now. Um, And so in that state, uh, I went to the Loudon game and thankfully Ryan uh, Kiefer was there to, write the recap and all that stuff so that I could basically just sit and send some tweets. uh, And that was pretty much all I was able to do. Um, I kind of pulled it together after having some, uh, some food, I pulled it together enough to ask Richie Williams, a couple questions post game, but that was pretty much it. Um, And that was, that was like hitting the peak of my capabilities on Sunday afternoon was, can you ask a question to another human being that makes some sense and they can give you an answer without looking at you like you're an idiot um, and I just barely cleared the bar. Um, and your week. I went, your
0: week was basically a, a, a part of the too many cooks video. <laughs> it's just too many games.
1: Yes, it was too many games. Uh, it was too many for too long, too often. And, uh, and then I actually, if, or I, I guess And it's then Smart showed
0: up at one of the games. It was awesome.
1: Um, I, I posted an Instagram story that kind of tells you the state I was in when I was leaving Audi field, I was posted a little thing that was like, oh, the barrage of soccer is finally over. And then I got home and I was like, wait a minute, there's a midweek game. (laughs) It's not really over at all. There's no break. Well, the game, there's a game coming, Um, loosely defined. And so I had to dunk on myself for uh, thinking I was done when I knew that I wasn't done, because that is where my brain was. In. It's like, oh, if this is done, we're on easy street now. And it's like, no, nope, no, you forgot. You forgot the thing that's right in front of you. Then your brain just left. It's Pretty said, I'm much I'm done. T- took off. And I uh, spent the, re- the evening staring off into space until it was time to go to bed.
0: Hey, hey, welcome in. This is filibuster, the black and red United and dunking on yourself podcast i'm adam taylor joined by jason anderson who's both dunker and donkey and ben bromley who's only the dunker i guess uh we're all from blackandredunited.com where we cover dc united not so great this past weekend dc united lost two to one in houston we're going to talk about that tonight we're also going to preview the upcoming friendly against real batiste no laughter nothing Nobody we will get to it. And also DC United's real game upcoming next Saturday against the new England revolution up in Massachusetts. Catch that one Saturday, seven 30 on flow sports or ESPN plus before we do anything. Of course we have our tradition here and we are nothing without our traditions. Benjamin Bromley. What are you drinking?
2: Unfortunately, not the tradition, which would have been an appropriate uh, tie in, but I don't know if anybody still has cans hidden of, of the probably tradition. gone bad if so. <laughs> right, yeah. So if you have cans of the tradition, keep them as keepsakes, but please don't drink them. I have an empty can of the tradition still on my bar. Sure, sounds fine. You're not going to die from that. But I am drinking uh, a Marg. I went with... Uh, Former and possibly current MLS sponsor El Jimador, uh, for the tequila, uh, a crappy, uh, low low budget uh, triple sec, and just some Kroger lime juice.
0: All right, I've got uh, a, a cheap IPA from from Trader Joe's. It's Bosun American IPA. Um, it's fine. It's
2: you know Bosun like Botswain.
0: Yes, boatswain is how it's pronounced, or is how it's spelled. Bosun is how it's pronounced. Um, I don't. I, I did Gilbert and Sullivan in law school, which is probably why I know that. I don't know why else I would know that. That's how boatswain is actually pronounced. Um, yeah, it's fine. It's an easy drinking, basic American IPA. Are Jason. you a
2: fan of the Horatio Hornblower books? Perhaps that's another way you might know what a um, bosun is. I'm. I'm not. I okay. don't believe I've ever experienced them.
0: Okay. I'm not against them. I just don't know them. Okay. Jason.
1: Well, first of all, the only reason I know that those two things are connected. Uh, and by those two things, I mean um, Horatio Hornblower and Gilbert and Sullivan is an episode of the Simpsons where sideshow so- Side sideshow Bob uh, is tricked into performing an entire play uh, by Bart. And this is what allows Bart to survive. Uh, That particular instance in which Sideshow Bob tries to murder him. Um, But uh, to answer the question, uh, I am drinking uh, Patron silver on the rocks. Very nice. It's good. If you you can find some, which you should be able to. It's Patron. It's pretty much at all the liquor stores that exist. Uh, It's good.
0: To the soccer, I guess. For the first time this season, DC United lost after leading in the game. They fell on the road to the Houston Dynamo Saturday night by the score of two to one. A fantastic team goal right off the uh, second half kickoff gave United the lead um, through Wayne Rooney, who finished it off. But two goals within basically a minute and a half from uh, Memo Rodriguez and Tommy McNamara were enough to undo the visitors on this one, two to one to Houston was the final. Um, let's start with the, those 94 minute, 94 seconds of disaster. 94 minutes of disaster would have been. That was
2: 24. 2017.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or, Every game or 2013 or 2010. Anyway, uh, the, this minute and a half spell where it just, it, it decided the game basically. And um it, it it was not good. They were not Memo Rodriguez was a, a good individual goal, but there were it could have been stopped three or four different times. Um and then the other one we'll we'll get to. Jason, what what did you think?
1: Um, I mean, first of all, one of the reasons DC has been able to um win a bunch of games and get a lot of results without necessarily being at their best has been that they just haven't given up bad goals this year. Um, and these two goals are both really bad goals. Um, the first goal, um, it all starts with Burnbaum trying to make a pass that it just doesn't exist. The, the angle that he's trying to play that there's a guy in the way the whole time, um, he passes
2: it to it, the guy.
1: Yeah. It's just an inexplicable bad pass from him. And that's where it begins. Um, and it, it happened at that, that terrible moment in a buildup where your fullbacks have just decided to start to push up. Um, and that's when you make the giveaway. It's, it's a bad time. Don't give the ball away when that, in that moment. Um, so Houston catches DC in transition, uh, from possession deep in their own end to trying to get it in the midfield. Um, there's a moment in there where, um, Leo Hara has a choice to make. And instead of continuing to retreat back in his position, which probably would have been the smarter thing to do. He tries to confront the ball and sort of maybe force a wide pass, but he's not in a good position to do that. And so it, it ends up being a bad choice. And And Oscar Boniac Garcia, who I thought was probably the best player, I don't think this game was very good all around. I thought he was the best player on the field by far. Um, he saw that Hara wasn't in, in a good shape to make this confrontation and try and force the ball wide and so he just immediately one times the ball out into the space that Hara should have been uh, still running after to try and uh, occupy you know Hara took a risk um, and it just wasn't the moment to do to take that risk Um, that's how the ball gets out to uh, Memo Rodriguez Um, but DC still has you know like Adam said there's another there are other chances to stop this play Um, and Rodriguez starts to cut into the box and Hara comes down I think it's I think it's Hara and Briant, um, and it's Canals. I'm looking Knaus, at it right okay. now. Um, yeah, so Canals yeah. is preventing access to the end line, so he's cut off one of Rodriguez's options. Hara gets there, and it sort of takes Canals out of the play uh-huh. in a way. Canals has done all he can do in that moment um, when Hara gets there. The, this is the of all the errors. All these errors are bad. Canals didn't do anything wrong. Um, now so this is where this is the worst one for me. Rodriguez' his little leg tackles. flip. Yeah, Rodriguez cuts inside of Hara, and Hara doesn't really make a tackle. He he puts his arms up to prevent, like he's signaling that he didn't want to commit a foul, which is all well and good. But in that moment, what he's choosing is taking zero percent risk of committing a penalty while giving Rodriguez an excellent chance to shoot uh, from inside the box with screens uh, in the form of Hara, and then later, you know, at the time I, or. At the time, I was covering the Spirit game, so I actually sort of I sort of saw this game happening in two stages uh, on Twitter and, and in our Slack room, and I know there were a lot of negative, not just from us, but from fans. There were a lot of reactions about Chris McCann. I don't know that Chris McCann can really do anything here because Parra no. sh- should be making a tackle. Um, or
2: standing him up or doing anything but flipping right. his leg up like, well, I don't know.
1: Yeah. The, so Hara chooses badly twice in the sequence. And the second choice is if I make a tackle, I'm worried about giving away a penalty. But I would rather see when him take the away a couple this year, I think.
0: So and, I, I know why that's on his mind. You still have to make the play there.
1: Yeah. It, yeah. Your job at that point, you know, because and this is why I'll always preach that wide players should be trying to get into the box and forcing defenders to make a tackle because they might make a decision just like this one where they might just let you go by, or maybe they make the tackle or maybe they commit a penalty. Um, but Hara chose basically to avoid giving up a penalty and that was all of it. Um, and that's, that's where the goal comes from. You know, McCann, maybe, maybe if McCann is, is a, a step further forward, um, he might have gotten a better challenge in that might've thrown Rodriguez off balance, but he wasn't going to get the ball and he might've committed a penalty, uh, oddly enough, if he had been a little closer, but I I don't really have a problem with him because he's taking up some space that uh, could have been dangerous. Um, He's also got to keep his head on a swivel based on other runners coming in. It really comes down to Hara um, making, you know, too bad. The, the, The giveaway is bad, but Hara's two choices in the sequence leading up
2: to the goal are worse. Yeah, him in yeah, the there, box is just an awful decision.
0: There's a shout for offside on, on this play because there was a, a Houston player in an offside position who was in a position to deflect the shot. He didn't move, he didn't play the ball. But you can make the argument that Bill Hamid was you know, had to respect him in in the play, but in the end it it doesn't matter because you can't let that shot happen. You can't, you can't let it get to that point. Basically, if you're United's defense and it, it's not Bill Hamid's fault, he was screened and there's a lot of things happening. Yeah,
1: I, the, I mean, I will say that there have been games in the past where Hamid does make a save like that, but it's one of those where it's like, wow, that was an impossible save. That's ridiculous that that isn't a goal. Um, right, and you don't, you don't bank on those. You don't bank on your goalkeeper coming up with those. Um, yeah, memo so Rodriguez they do
0: has in, been one of the, the best players in the league this year, as far as minute uh, goals and assists per 90, it's his number is kind of crazy, especially for a young homegrown guy.
1: Right. And, and, you know, you don't, when you give up opportunities like that, you, it's not about, well, the goalkeeper could have done better. It's more like, well, let's be thankful when he does do better because most of the time that ball is going in. And we found out last right, year yeah. when, you know, when Hamid was still on loan with David Osted, we found out what was life was like a little bit when you have a regular goalkeeper in MLS, because then these goals go in all the time. You never get that big save. Um, right. And Osted, so, still an MLS starter. He's not exactly like on the junk heap. Right. I mean, he's has a, he's been sort of uh, on the decline after starting well in, in Chicago. But um, yeah, the, it's a tough one for Hamid, but it's really that people just need to do better further in front of him. It's such an avoidable goal. Yeah. Second goal. Speaking- also not, not <laughs> yeah, great speaking
2: of avoidable goals. Yep.
0: Um, <laughs> Houston gets the ball out on, on their left side. Uh, Hara again, upfield or uh, an inside, probably more than he ought to have been. Um, Houston gets the ball into the space that he had vacated, sends it across the back post. Uh, Marquinhos Pedroso for oh. some reason, Takes a ridiculous angle. He was ball watching. Let's. I mean, it, he he was trying to get the ball, I think, and I, he just
1: took a weird yeah. angle that made I no sense. Think, I don't think he knew where McNamara actually was. I yeah. think no, he, no, he did not. He I think he was very sure that he's like, no, I know where he is, and he was wrong. Uh, yeah. And in those yes. situations, this is what happens.
0: Yeah. So McNamara scored. Obviously, Bill Hamid did incredible work to save the initial shot. He but almost McNamara. Saved him. He McNamara all, did the smart thing uh, in basketball when you're a kid. They tell you follow your shot. Mm-hmm. When you are crashing the back post, run right into the goal because if the keeper saves it, it's going to bounce off you and go right in, and right. you get yeah. to have, celebrate and with yourself in the back of the net, like Tommy McNamara did. So, um yeah, it was bad, and that wasn't the only like th- that's the one that uh, where goal happened. But uh, Leonardo Hara was ball watching, took a playoff in the first half, and, and Memo Rodriguez, like the 29th minute or so, should have opened the scoring then, um, had a completely free header at the back post and just missed, um, which you know I, I was thankful for at the time. But uh, not a great night from the fullbacks, especially covering those yeah. those back post ghost yeah. runs.
2: Yeah, that was... I- that was especially bad from Pedrosa. Like we, we talked a lot about Ahara on the past goal. Uh, like Jason said, I, I just want to get in on Pedrosa a little bit, just that he was ball watching, uh, but also just didn't, he didn't know where McNamara was. And just, you can see it in the slow mo that like, the minute the the moment he's actually realizes where McNamara is, he like contorts his body and tries yeah. to leap back towards McNamara to prevent something. But obviously it's, it's far too late by then. Right. And it's just a, a example, an exercise in not marking your player, but Mark, but trying to play the ball and just getting beat on both ends of it.
1: Yeah. And this goal this this goal also had frustrating stuff leading up to it um and i think it's it can be summed up in one image and the image is uh rooney looking backwards waiting for other players to join him in the um defensive shape and no one is there and he actually is gesturing for anyone to come forward and no one does um and you know dc is they're standing off of fuenmayor and uh, Rooney sort of shuttles him out into the space that he needs to, but it's that moment where a forward is now allowing it to transition to the wide midfielder's role or someone stepping from the midfield role. Um, and Rooney realizes in his peripheral that there are no white shirts coming up, that something has gone wrong. And he looks and everyone else's is back is too deep. Um, no one is stepping up. Ariola is uh, a little overly concerned with one other player that should be Hara's concern. Um, and it bounces and that, off of him. Right. He, he all, I mean, they come that close to getting away with it. Um, but it, you know, that when we talk about team shape, team defensive shape, that's something DC has been really good at this year. And in that moment, they really let themselves down. Um, Ariola gets lured out of position, uh, and into, into no man's land, basically by Garcia again. Um, who once again is the, at the center of this goal existing. Um, and they just play a a quick and tidy little passing triangle. uh, And he's come, Ariel is cut out of the play. Um, And the ball comes to the back post. And like we've already talked about, Pedroso was very sure he knew where McNamara was and just was wrong. Um, And also I think misjudged the course of the ball, because if if he's at least, if he's judging the the ball's trajectory correctly, he would have gotten himself in the way of McNamara. Um, But he didn't, you know, he, he, made a mistake and realized it too late. Um, but it's, it's one of those goals that it, it never, the ball never should, that cross never should have existed. Um, and so as bad as Pedroso looks, I'm also like, and he does look bad. This is something that I don't think I've seen him miss a mark that badly in his time in MLS. Uh, so I guess that's good news is that this is not a recurring thing with him. This is a like, wow, I've never seen you do that before. Um, so that's a, a positive, I guess, in a silver lining that it just doesn't happen that often to him. Um, but I I think both goals are kind of examples of, you know, Hara making bad decisions on tired legs. He's, you know, from the, the travel, I assume he's probably worn out. This is the, the toughest travel. He, I mean, We talked about it with Rooney, but it's not just Rooney. There's several guys on this team who are unfamiliar with this level of, um, you know, not that they played very a very big role, on Wednesday, but the travel and then having to play in Houston, which is always difficult for everyone. um, I think that paid pay, you know, that normally it makes itself clear when players run out of gas physically. And this was more bad decisions by tired players, I think. Um, And that's, that's how you always end up losing in Houston. Like DC tends to do.
0: So uh, they, (laughs) one of the things that I think was frustrating for a lot of people uh, was that they did look so tired despite the squad rotation in, in Toronto. And we talked about this on the, the extra episode last week where Ben Olsen made seven changes to the starting lineup, including all the main attackers. Mm-hmm. And so they got back into the lineup and they, they were should have been fresh. And yet we saw in both fullbacks were, were rotated as well. So Hara should have been fresh. And yet he looked, he looked, he looked like he was hungover for most of the game. And, um, you know, he, he had this one amazing defensive play on, uh, the end line in the, at one point where he was basically break dancing to tackle the ball away from a couple of guys. And it was a very fun moment, but then he had the rest of the game also happen yeah. where he just was sluggish. I think is a, is a fair word to use for it. Um, the one, the one position or the one, the one thing that wasn't first choice in this was Junior Moreno being gone. He was down in Venezuela um, to, to bury his father and Chris Durkin, who was off with the, the U twenties. And so Paul Ariola shifted out from his normal position outside into defensive midfield and Ulysses Segura uh, played on the wing, which given what we know about Chris McCann's physical traits and Houston's speed is something I understand. It's a decision that I understand. I don't know that I agree with it, but I understand it. But um, it just is frustrating like to it. see what should have been arrested, relatively rested lineup just looks so slow for most, a lot of the game, especially as the second, you know, mentally slow too, obviously. But that that can come from being physically tired. It's just it was it was frustrating to watch a lot of it.
2: Yeah, and I, I am the I am a person who does not like players being. Played out of position. And I know what happened after McCann came on is uh, a lot of correlation. Uh, but I don't think in this case that it equals causation. And even if it does, Segura is a good player, but he's not a, he's not the attacking threat that Paul Areola is. And when you move Paul, e- Paul Areola into the middle, you lose a lot of his attacking prowess. And so that, doubly blunts an already fragile DC United attack that's uh, completely reliant on uh, Wayne Rooney and Lucho Acosta. And if if people can't connect with Rooney because they're moved out of position, then it just doubles and triples everything up.
0: Yeah, I think, obviously, in hindsight, I would have preferred to see him out wide i don't know who goes in the middle in that situation um because
2: christmas game ulysses um, segura i
0: i don't know that i want either of them i remember i remember <laughs> i remember segura playing defensive midfield in the first half of last season and it, it it wasn't great and at least it's
2: mccann's natural position
0: it yeah he just i think jason said it um if not on the show last week, then, then when we were talking off the show. But uh, McCann, you don't want him playing on the turn. You don't want him defending nope. on the turn. So I don't... And against Houston, that's what's going to happen. And so I don't know that I want him there. Maybe maybe the choice is you Joe put Robinson. him and Segura in in that weird three defensive midfield setup that, that Olsen ran out. But it, then you're playing a weird quasi-diamond and right. with no... That's that's a pretty drastic tactical wrinkle to try to force. So I don't I don't know what the answer was. I don't know that there was a right answer. Just this this was a, a depth issue that wasn't even down to injuries. It was you you have a player who whose father died and you do the humane thing and you let him go mourn right. his father. Um and, and you have a player that is a potential sale in the near future for a lot of money who is going to go to the biggest shop window there is for 20 year olds or for under twenties. And that's the the world cup for, so you got to let him go. It just, I mean, I think just the combination of everything, just it, it ended up kind of hurting United, but that's MLS, right?
1: Yeah. And you know, the other options include, you know, you mentioned the, the three defensive midfielder thing from midweek. Um, you could also shift back into a four-one-four-one one one that we haven't seen in forever. Um, Which I thought it and, might have been when Areola was listed on the inside. Um, but yeah, that comes with its own problems. You know, this team hasn't played that formation in quite a while. Um, so yeah, th- there wasn't a good solution. Um, I think playing Areola in the middle on paper was fine uh, for one game. I think it was an adequate an adequate solution to a, a problem that we didn't have a good solution to. I think it was the most adequate of the, the solutions. The problem was more for me, the execution level was just not there. Um, and I think it was telling that after the game, the reactions from the coaching staff and from the players was pretty salty at themselves. They were not happy with themselves after this game. Um, and I think that kind of tells the story that, um, this game was—I I don't think Houston played very well. I think this game was there for the taking, and I think DC United knows that that game was there for the taking, and they just weren't good enough on the day. Like this was one of those—if um, you don't play soccer all that well, you might lose a game—and uh, they—they kind of threw this one away because at halftime zero-zero with one good scoring
2: chance at either end. Um, that's a pretty. In, Go ahead, Ben. In the six in the sixty-fifth minute, up one-zero. Yeah. On the road in a place you never win. Right. And, you know, the game, Houston wasn't,
1: a lot of their chances were sort of low percentage. You know, they took 20 shots, but a lot of them are not very good shots. If you uh, take away the shots that were blocked or from long range, all of a sudden it starts to look pretty even. Um, This game was there. And I think DC United knows this game was there. They did well enough to make make Houston maybe not play their very best soccer. Obviously they caught a a break with Elise having to go off and you have to be a little alarmed that he was back on the field for 10 minutes before he had to sit down and uh, get subbed off. That's not the best thing given that. That's not how
0: the concussion protocol is supposed to work.
1: Right. And and this is an organization that has also had on their, uh, the women's side has had a player faint and had to have to be uh, taken to the hospital. Um so that's not great for Houston. Uh they should probably do better than that by a lot. Um but from a DC perspective, if you are up in the 65th minute one nothing, Elise isn't in the game anymore, you got to win that game. And they've got no you know, it's not bad luck, it's not bad refereeing, it's DC United just didn't play the final 25 uh to 30 minutes of that game well enough to do it.
2: Speaking of head injuries and i i I don't want to bring up conspiracy theories but i i don't think steve brinbaum was concussed but i feel like he was gun shy after getting his head cut open a little bit uh, earlier in the game and i i feel like there are headers or plays that he takes more aggressively if he isn't if he doesn't get that injury earlier in the game, I feel like he could have gotten his head to the ball on the second goal, but he was a little gun shy for obvious reasons because he got his head cut open earlier in the game. Yeah,
0: that, hey, would be,
1: that would be kind of unusual uh, from Pernbaum. He's usually yeah, one of the
0: reasons. And one of the it. reasons he, one of the reasons he doesn't get concussed is because his header technique is so good and so aggressive. Yeah. He, he keeps his neck strong and goes through and he's, he's like his head never snaps, which is when that that's when concussions happen. Um, Right. And so that's why he gets cut instead of getting concussed. So I don't know. I didn't notice that myself, but I wasn't looking for it either.
1: I'm watching the replay again and it just looks like the problem isn't so much in my opinion it's not so much that he's gun shy. It's that Moro Minotas just gets that, that foot of space and gets position on him. And effectively, I mean, neither of them touches the ball. Um, it's just that Minotas gains the position on Burnbomb so that Burnbomb can't get to the ball. I think if he had beaten Birn, um, Minotas to the spot, we're talking about a corner kick instead. Um, yeah. But Minotas early in the move um, just does enough, to get to get just barely uh, his right shoulder is just barely ahead of Burnbaum and that's kind of what keeps Burnbaum from getting to the ball it's not a pick so much as no. you know, Minotas I think is actually trying to get to the ball for himself um, like any good goal scorer but uh yeah I don't I don't know that I would say that on this this specific play but you know it wouldn't shock me to watch the game back and maybe see a few instances because if you're You know, this is, I I think this is the second game in a row where um, Burnbaum had a uh, head to head collision. I I think there was one on Wednesday where neither player went down, but they were both sort of pawing at um, their scalp trying to see if they had a cut or not. Um, Right. You know, if that keeps happening, yeah, it's only natural to have some degree of like, you know, how many times am I going to go through this?
0: So um, before we move on to the last. Topic from, from this game. I want to say I, I don't think I have any objections to the red card to Paul Ariola. It was decided on VAR. It, it, I guess my objection would be how long it took to go to the video review. But the, the decision yes. itself, I. it Yeah, he. Whether he meant to or not, he stepped on a guy well after the play was over. And, and you can't you can't do that. And I think Paul would would say the same thing.
1: I don't think he meant to at all. Um, I think he was trying to run. Um, but MLS set a precedent early this season. I think in week one or week, I think it was week two, um, where Marco Fabian, uh, had gone up for a header and happened to land on someone, um, with his foot down and Fabian ended up, they, he did, they didn't give him a red card, but they gave him a suspension. Um, and I think MLS kind of set the standard right there that, this kind of play, accidental or no, is going to be punished with a red card and/or a suspension. And so, um, you know, I, I think after the game, Ariola, I think Steve Goff's uh, match report in, included a quote from Ariola who ex- said that the referee explained that it doesn't, his intentions didn't matter on the play. Um, and so it did, it didn't seem like Ariola was too angry at that point. I think he understood the explanation.
2: Right. And, and by the laws of the game's intention in all in some cases in cases like this doesn't matter.
1: Right. Um and yeah, I I really think he was just trying to to continue running and it just is bad luck that his foot came down where it did, but right. um you know, I I don't have too much of an objection. I hope that Cause I think Fabian ended up getting an additional game for his, but his was more a guy falling from a, you know, a high height and coming down hard. Um, I'm hoping that there's no further. I think I would disagree with there being further punishment. Um, sure. But I think that the referee's choice, you know, he saw something and gave the yellow and then obviously was told, Hey, you, you, you might want to look at this again. Um, I think, the punishment that is in existence now is probably enough. It's, it's reasonable. It's fair. It shouldn't go any further than this. If he, now if he accident or if he, you know, if they have footage showing him look down and really try and direct it, then that's a different story. But I don't think that happened at all.
2: Right. Exactly.
0: So outside of the goal, which was a very nice piece of passing and actually defense into attack, uh, for DC United, um, fantastic way to start the second half, even if they didn't make it stick. Uh, outside of that one moment, that one sequence, there was not a lot of chances. There was not a lot of offense for DC United in this one. And that's not the first time we, we've said that even against Toronto in the second half after Rooney and Lucho and then Areola all came on. There wasn't a lot happening. There there was a spell at home this year where they, they couldn't score a goal to save their lives what is going on with the attack? Why, why can this team not replicate for, for more than a moment here and there? Why can't they replicate what was almost unstoppable last year at the end of the season?
1: Oh, go ahead, Ben.
2: Oh, I was just going to take a crack first and then let Jason get into his reasoned and, and insightful analysis. Uh, Lucho Acosta just isn't there right now. Like, he, he plays well, but he's not playing anywhere near how he did in the second half of last year. Uh, I feel like he's trying to force some things. He's trying to be a little too, too much on other, other things and he's just not connecting with Rooney with, and with the other players, the way he was, uh, at the end of last year. And when he's on his game, he, he can be a potential $10 million transfer to PSG, but he's not playing like a $10 million transfer to PSG in this season so far. And when you, when you try to run through him, if he's not playing at that level, it's going to show up in the entire rest of your, your attack. And, uh, Rodriguez was the one who helped spring the attack uh, that that led to Rooney's uh, goal, and and Ulysses Segura provided the assist. So it's all coming from the wingers right now, but it needs to come from the middle as well. It needs to come from Lucho Acosta as well. And if he's not playing as well as he can, then it's definitely going to be not as good as it was last year.
1: You yeah. I think, um, at least this specific game, I think the problem is, is less about, uh, United stars who had by my count, uh, five of the nine, uh, key passes United produce as a team. It's the fact that everyone else is only producing four. the whole rest of the team and all the subs. Um, and then when you look at successful dribbles, um, that's an area Lucho wasn't very good in. He had attempted six, but only succeeded in one. And that one was down in the left corner uh, in United's end. and um, hey Jason,
2: I have, I have a question. I don't know if you know the answer. Do you, mm-hmm. if do you, did you count uh, T Rodriguez as one of the stars?
1: No. Uh, do, do you know how
2: many of those were T Rodriguez and not anybody else? Just out of curiosity. What, no, the, uh, the, the, what key passes, whatever key you, passes. whatever you said first. Key passes. He had one. Okay. So I'm not insignificant number.
1: Right. <laughs> if you um, include him. Right. Uh, and, but that's maybe part of the problem is that um, he made a modest impact on right. the attack. And then from there, it, it's worse. Uh, the other key passes in the game came from Segura and Pedroso. Uh, Segura got the assist on Rooney's goal, um, but that was the only real impact going forward that Segura had in the game. Um Hara, you know, this I, I think it's safe to say this is probably Hara's worst game since he got here. Yeah. Um fortunately, you know, it's reasonable to expect him to bounce back to his normal level. Um but yeah he, he did not play well in this one. Ariola um, had
2: no key passes.
1: Yeah Ariola had none. Um you know Canals didn't have any uh, the guys that came in, you know, Stieber didn't have any Quincy Ameriqua didn't have any. <sighs> not that, not just... that Ameriqua had any time to do anything, but um, yeah, Chris McCann, like th- th- I think the issue with, especially with Lucho R- Rooney seems to figure out a way to make an impact on games anyway. Um, but the issue with Lucho is that when the supporting cast doesn't necessarily cause the other team much worry, They can just focus all those, all that, um, all that leftover energy and all that leftover mental focus can all go to Lucho. And Lucho hasn't yet figured out how to overcome that on a consistent basis. Um, and I think this was another one of those games where that's been the case that, um, the supporting cast isn't doing enough to take the weight, um, and take the attention of the opponent away from Lucho. And thus, you know, a team that should have two outstanding attacking players that are terrorizing defenses goes down to one. And if you have only one, uh, it's a lot easier to to defend against. And I think this was another one of those games where, you know, Rodriguez, it, Rodriguez seems to be on the Lucho timetable. If you remember Lucho's first season, that's not great news for the next couple months. It means that we're going to continue seeing something similar to this. Um, We know he's outstanding. I mean, he's scored two of the very best goals in the entire league this year, um, including what should be goal of the year, but won't even get probably won't even get nominated because of the stupid vote um, with a bunch of idiots uh, who are terrible. (laughs) Um, But no, his goal against Colorado, the dribbling goal was another one of the top 10 or 15 in the entire season. Um, So we know the talent is there and the audacity is there and all that. It's just getting it to be consistently applied and he's not there yet with that. And as long as we're not getting that from him, as long as we've got areola playing out of position, which it once again, as, as Ben, or being was, suspended. yeah. And, and you know, as Ben has brought up over and over again, when you take him out of the offense, th- these are the kind of things that happen. They, they lose that never ending, that constant off the ball threat that he brings. Um, that you know Segura works hard but he's not working as smart as Ariola and it shows um and now you know this coming game uh against the Revs they're going to have to figure it out without Ariola because um he's not going to be able to play this one uh so um yeah it, it's kind of it's not great news unfortunately and and you know the, the other downside to all of this is that no one else is making a case for themselves you know Segura... Griffin, yeah. You know, Griffin Yao might be uh the guy with the most uh the most juice right now as far as the attack because you know Stieber unfortunately is a shadow of himself. I, I kind of hope I feel that, so
2: bad for him.
1: No, I, I like his game a lot. I, I kind of hope that the that he plays against Betis and plays well and maybe regains some confidence because he needs something to tell him that he's good good at soccer again because he has stopped believing it. Um but the rest of the attack, you know we know Quincy Ameriqua has done well in his limited minutes at, at working hard and doing smart stuff with the ball, but it's not necessarily, he's not the guy that's going to break the lines and, and create goals by himself. Um, Yeah. This team needs one more, at least one more attacking player of note. Um, Maybe that player is Yamil Assad. Uh, I think everyone is on board for that, but um, whether it's Assad or somebody else, they got to. You know, this transfer window, they need to make some moves because there there's just not enough competition in the attack. And once you take Areola out of the front four, things seem to fall apart from there.
0: On that uplifting note, we'll take a quick break and be right back to talk about the upcoming week for DC United. Stick around; it's filibuster. Hey, Ben. Um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me.
2: Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is our goats hostile?
0: Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious, in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Very exciting, friendly coming up on Wednesday. Real Batiste, who coming straight off a win against Real Madrid, coming to Audi. Adam.
1: Adam. Uh, Ben, I I feel like you can sum up our opinion of uh, midweek friendlies in the middle of the
2: season. I prefer uh, what the United States did in the 1920s, which was horses jumping off of, uh, diving boards. That's what people did for entertainment before they had mid -mid season friendlies. And I would prefer that to mid season friendlies.
0: I'm here for it. Well said. Well, (laughs) in real soccer games that matter for standings, uh, let's talk about the new England revolution. They are currently, let's say between coaches, um, (laughs) They're quite literally between coaches. <laughs> it, it's kind of working for them, though. They have four points in their last two games since firing Brad Friedel following back-to-back five-goal losses. Which Friedel? I'm going to repeat, Brad Friedel. Sorry. Uh,
2: Are you going to say it in a British accent like Brad Friedel has? Yeah, because I, I he spent so much I time there.
0: The thing I'm going to repeat though is back-to-back. Five goal losses <laughs> is what got him mm-hmm. fired. The Revs are still tenth in the East. Uh, they have exactly DC United, exactly half of DC United's point total and points per game. Uh, and they'll host the Black and Red this Saturday night on everybody's favorite playing surface at Gillette Stadium. Uh, <laughs> watch it seven thirty Saturday night. Flow Sports or ESPN Plus if you're outside. Ruben Loftus
2: Cheek especially loves it.
0: So, uh, we, I, I mentioned they're between coaches. They they fired Brad Friedel, and they have hired Bruce Arena to be their coach and sporting <laughs> director. Uh, I, I think he
1: starts either it's
2: immediately before June. or immediately no after
0: the LA Galaxy game it's that follows
1: It's not even it's certain as to which June game he will start, but sometime in early June. He may just wait until the Gold Cup break and... He'll you know, just
2: on or the season here. break. Wait, what if he just like collects a paycheck from Robert Kraft for two ish years and never actually coaches the game? You know,
0: we've joked on the site for years that Robert Kraft often forgets he has an MLS team. Um, I mean, I he's got other not- pressing
2: matters right now.
0: Yeah, it's true. I will not that mention be, that was the origin that. of the, the Dixie Wanderers joke that, that, we used for longer than we should have was what if the team just wandered around various stadiums in the South until Bob craft realized they were gone and that that was the genesis of that joke. And I think Bruce arena is capitalizing on our joke right now. And I think he owes us royalties um, until he actually coaches a game anyway. So in, in Brad Friedel's last two games, new England gave up 11 goals, which, is amazing. It's a huge accomplishment. I don't know how you do that, especially a team that's supposed to be defensively focused like Friedel's were. Uh, in the two since he left, they haven't conceded. Jason, what changed?
1: Uh, they got real, real conservative. Um, they <laughs> they have conceded once. They they did concede one to San Jose. Okay, um, that's right. One goal. Yeah. It's a major improvement from losing six one to uh, the Union and then five nothing to Chicago. Um, which is a fireable that's a result that you get fired for by itself.
2: a fire a fireable a, offense now
0: that game also i saw the the highlights for that one and that was a five nothing game that somehow flattered the revs they they could have lost eight or nine Adam, to nothing.
2: Adam, I, Adam. The nothing can ever favor the fire flatter the fire
0: I mean, I'm saying this wasn't this, the result was not flattering to the fire. If anything, it was flattering to the revs because (sighs) five, nothing was not at all. An unreasonable result.
1: It was really the, um, that was like the, the end of a steady climb because they'd also given up three at home to Montreal who had basically stepped off the plane and onto the field that day. Uh, they gave up four to a sport in Kansas city who finished the game with nine players. Then they gave <laughs> up six and then they gave up five. Um, that was Brad their, isn't a good coach. It turned out he wasn't uh, at no point. Was he a good coach? Um, I mean, who could have seen that coming though? Honestly, uh, y- you know, Everyone?
2: <laughs> if you remember Except maybe the, the Colorado Rapids
1: early in 2018, the Revs started getting good results, but it was because no one knew what they were going to do. Um, and then once teams actually figured out, oh, this is what they're doing, then it was over and it never changed. And he never took any real responsibility. He just constantly said, wow, my players sure are weak and stupid, um, over and over again (laughs) until he got fired. Um, so they got rid of Friedel. Uh, Mike Lapper is, was his assistant coach, but I I think it's clear. Doesn't necessarily ascribe to the same methodology Um, changed some players out, uh, gave some guys that were in Friedel's doghouse a new chance. Um, I'm sure part of the reason they're playing well right now is the simple fact that the guy that was making everyone unhappy is gone. Um, It's easier to live your life when your boss isn't just being mean to you in public all the time. Um, But yeah, it hasn't been... They've changed style, but they haven't necessarily become... A good team it's just more that um they aren't high pressing without a group of players that are capable of it uh they're sitting deep and they are defending in numbers and they are hoping for the best uh to sort of make sure they get their noses out in front with a, a set piece goal or what have you and then after that it's, it's safety first uh these last two games have been really unpleasant to watch uh i watched both of them and i there are four hours of my life that I can never have back. Um, especially their last game, the zero zero draw in Montreal, which is kind of like, if you remember what the impact did when they came to Audi field, this was like the impact having to you know, pay their comeuppance a little bit, um, uh, because the revs played this four, one, four, one, they sat deep. Um, they had no real concern about passing accuracy or, um, stringing together a lot of uh, possession or taking risks in the uh, to to get into the attacking third it was basically just about making sure they didn't give up a goal and they did it so credit to them for getting achieving the goal that they had but it was that was it there there was nothing beyond that it was it was rough it was rough to watch
0: so i would expect something similar when when dc united goes up to Gillette Stadium, um, New England just hoofing the ball long, trying to, to I don't know, catch United out to to some extent. Uh, probably also knowing their history and MLS's history and PRO's history, probably a lot of kicking Lucho T- Acosta as good. well, which I'm not yeah. excited about.
1: Yeah, that's going to be physical. Um, you know, it's not it's only physical in the way that it was under Friedel where it was kind of like the high press was in place because he wanted every play to be a a fight to the death. Um, That thankfully is, is over right now. Um, But it's still a roster built to play that way. And so even if you change the style of play, you've still got a bunch of guys who are strong and fast and tend to lean towards using those assets to solve their problems on the field. Um, Which is weird because, it seemed like Friedel never finished the job of converting his team to that full time. So you've still got some pretty technical guys who are still trying to shift their minds out of um, every single game has to be this fist fight of a game rather than a soccer game. Um, You know, Diego Fagundes is playing central midfield and is having to sort of, um, you know, realize that it's not just about, can he win the ball? It's actually like, Oh yeah, I can play soccer. Like I, I can do that. Sometimes I remember, um, but it, you know, it takes some time to sort of get back to that. And that's kind of where they are. Um, their ability to pass has been pretty low. Their interest in having the ball has been low. Um, their win over San Jose was a home game, but it was a game in which they had less than 27% of the possession. And this wasn't a situation where they had red cards. This was just, they got an early lead and then we're like, we're not playing any soccer at all. No one goes forward. No one does anything. and. That is, it's very much results-oriented, risk-averse, don't-do-anything-that-might-pull-us-out-of-our-shape soccer. What,
0: if anything, changes once Bruce Arena takes the reins, assuming he ever does?
1: Uh, I imagine that you'll start to see more technical players getting more of their... um, more of the starts, you know, Teal Bunbury might not be their starting forward anymore. Um, when that comes to pass for the simple fact that, um, in the high press system, when the Rebs were doing well under Friedel during that brief period of time, he was getting, uh, some goals, but he hasn't scored a goal this season. Um, and I'm pulling it up now and it looks like he hasn't scored a goal since August of last year. Um, so that's probably a change that's coming. um, guys like Fugundes and, and Carlos Hill is actually a really talented player, um, that just is in the wrong team under Friedel. Um, you know, he'll probably, there'll probably be more of an emphasis on him. I imagine it'll be more four, two, three, one, um, or maybe, you know, we know that arena is not going to get too deep tactically. Um, so maybe it'll just be four, four, two, but you know, with a little more emphasis on, um, getting out on the run with technical players in space and letting them do what they do. Um, but yeah, it, it's a weird, it's a weird time to be playing them because that's not what Mike Lapper has been doing so far. Um, it's been very much about, look right now we need to, we need a proof of concept that this group of players, no matter the tactics can come off, can step onto the field and step off without having lost um and that is all they've been trying to do lately it's it's just that extremely bare bones let's not let's stop losing and get some confidence back and then we can start trying to do something else but first things first let's have a reason to believe in ourselves at all and you know they have they've got a win and a draw in their last two it's not been impressive uh but it's something
0: so how do you game plan for that um i i assume an early goal is is definitely something to try to get. But when you're, you're facing a team that, that bunkers like new England does now, how do you break it down? If you're DC United, especially without Paul Ariel out there,
1: I, I think United's way forward in this game is going to be making sure they're setting a good tempo on the ball that they don't get bogged down in playing too slowly, because that's kind of what happened to San Jose um, in that they, piled up all this possession and this high passing accuracy and all that, but it wasn't getting them anywhere. Um, it took them 88 minutes to get their goal. Uh, this wasn't a game that was up for grabs for San Jose. Um, you don't want to fall into that trap. Um, I think a big emphasis on the dribbling ability of Lucho and uh, TT, that, that should be a major part of this week because if you've got a team in a bunker and people are getting beat on the dribble all of a sudden – that's what causes the bunker to sort of shift out of shape and collapse and guys start to scramble a little bit. And then you can start to find spaces elsewhere. Um, And the the good news is that DC's set piece uh, attack is still good enough that if they can't find a goal from playing on the dribble, if they can't find uh, opportunities to create those moments, they've still been able to find goals from basic set piece play. Um, and the revs, despite having a lot of physical players and a lot of guys that are strong, they don't necessarily have a lot of height. They don't have a lot of guys that are great in the air. Um, and so they're still vulnerable in that department. Um, but yeah, I think the major thing is to keep the ball moving. Um, don't sit in, don't try and play this game out and, and dip your toe in the water and say, well, you know, let's see what happens after 15 minutes. Um, this is a game you should go after and try and set a high tempo straight away, uh, because the revs, from what I've been able to tell, and maybe maybe the first two weeks were just about let's not lose, and then maybe this week there will be something changed. I don't know because it's an interim coach. You know, you never know what you're getting. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think DC's priority should be to maintain a high tempo, to maintain an attacking posture, um, and to try and get their good dribbling, you know, their best dribblers isolated against defenders, because I think that these are guys that can be beaten. And if you can't necessarily beat them cleanly, they're probably going to have to foul you. And then you've got the set pieces, set pieces to fall back on. Um, The revs still commit a lot of fouls. Uh, That hasn't gone away. That hasn't changed. I think that's just kind of in the team's DNA, uh, the way they've been built. Um, So yeah, you've got to make them pay on these set pieces that they're going to give up, but really, I would rather see this be a game about dribbling ability, because I think if DC is getting their uh, best dribblers in isolation, in situations where they're one-on-one, that's the way forward because the Revs don't have a lot of strength defensively up the middle. Uh, the reason they're having to sit so deep is that they don't have any particularly standout individuals. You know, um, Andrew Farrell's playing center back right now because the other center backs have, you know, no one has any confidence in them. De La Mea, um, is uh, I guess a shell of a man. I don't know what's happened to him, other than being exposed to a Brad Friedel uh, regime. Um, it's it's stuff like that. It just there's a lot of guys on this team that aren't aren't very good as a group. They don't fit together very well, um, and so this bunker is really their only solution to that. And there's a reason this is why teams have always bunkered is that um, if you're bad and you bunker, you might still get something out of it. Um, and so it's really basic, you know, bunker breaking 101. Um, Montreal, for example, actually did enough to get uh Lapper pulled Edgar Castillo after 35 minutes, and it wasn't because of an injury, it was that he was really worried about uh Orgio Conquo just running past him on the dribble. Um, and he made that move because he was wary of this going wrong. And and that's really all it was was that one guy was beating one other guy on the run with the ball too often. Um, and it's, it really is, you know, that's the whole thing. If you can beat them on the dribble enough, you're going to cause the whole system to fall apart. Um, and I, I mean, like I said, there's, they could make changes this week, but I don't see it. I, I don't think they're going to change players because they've gotten four points. Um, and the last thing you want to do when you're rebuilding confidence is to tell the guys that got the results that they're not, they're out of the team now. Um, But yeah, I think this is mostly a game about creating those isolations and then doing something with it. You know, good combination play would also help. Um, It's a big test for Segura. He needs to be uh, not beating people in the dribble, but he needs to be good in combination play. Um, If Rooney and Acosta can use him as just a wall pass outlet, then that's fine. He just has to be a wall, but he has to do a good job to get in the spots where he can be a wall.
0: I'm curious about Steber in this game, just knowing his ability to pass. He's not, he's not going to beat people for speed, obviously. And he's, it's not really a dribbler, but the combination play could, I don't know. It, it, it's something to see. I do know that this, this game is kind of low key important because Atlanta, NYC, the red bulls have all started to figure things out and put some points on the board and, and, move up the the table somewhat. So the the East was looking pretty dire there for a little while and all of a sudden the teams that are supposed to be good are are looking good again. So um DC United needs all the points they can get uh especially when they're playing bad teams in transition right now which that that is what the Revs are. So uh 3 points is has to be the target yeah. and which which yeah. means you got to score some goals. So hopefully right. we can see them do that.
1: If you're if you're a, a contender at the top of a division, you need to beat the revs, uh, no, no matter
0: where it. the game is played.
1: Yeah, that, it really is a no excuses kind of game. Um, the revs are bad. The roster is bad. Um, even with new confidence, uh, yeah, there's not a lot there. Um, they have some guys that aren't terrible. Like I said, Carlos Hill is good. Uh, Christian Panilla, if he starts believing himself again, uh, is is going to be good. Um, but it's on United to make sure that this isn't the game where they start to have more reason to feel good about themselves. This is a game where you should make them continue to feel bad.
0: Well, vamos making the Rebs feel bad about themselves and everything else. That's it for this week. Uh, find us at blackandredunited.com. If you want to support us financially, we obviously would love that do that at patreon.com slash filibuster. We're on Twitter at filibuster or at black and red. You plus all our personal accounts, send your emails to filibuster at gmail.com. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly though, please tell a friend about the show. That's the best way to, to get the word out there even better than the fabled ratings and reviews, which if you feel like doing, a plus i'm not going to stop you there for jason and ben i'm adam and we'll talk to you again real soon say goodbye jason
1: Uh, i was gonna play never gonna give you up but uh, i couldn't bring it up in time
0: sorry i uh (laughs) okay i accelerated a little bit there this week I
1: i thought about it too late so our listeners are gonna have to miss out on rick astley
2: so you gave up on never gonna give you up
1: i did i did it's not my song it's his song